Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 228 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me once again this week, your friend and mine, fan of the Cincinnati Reds baseball team, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? Why are you drag- dragging my name through the dirt like that, Chad? <laughs> you don't want to be associated with this team? <sighs> Buddy, you're associated with them. I guess I am. You're a super fan. Oh. Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough one, Jason Linden. It, it's oh, uh. <laughs> As we're recording this, the Reds have three games left in the season, and if they go one and two the rest of the way, they will finish the season with the exact same record, 68 and 94 that they've had the last three se- or this will be the third consecutive season of that. Uh, it is already the fourth consecutive season. They've lost at least 90 games. Uh, positive momentum. Hash Brown, positive momentum. Hash Brown, positive momentum. That's how the, that's how the internet works, right? Hash, hash wow. Brown. Hash Brown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is Red Leg Nation Radio. I do want to say off the top because I, I buried this at the end and no one is still listening at the end. So let me go ahead and say it now. All right. If you like us, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. If if you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can subscribe to this podcast here. Uh, if you just listen th- to the through the website redlegnation.com, you can you can subscribe and get it delivered automatically. We love when you leave ratings and reviews. You guys have been fantastic about leaving these five star reviews, and I just I'm I'm blown away by it. I really appreciate it. But it does help us find more listeners. But also, I want to say here at the beginning because I don't want to bury this at the end. We love when you guys want to contribute to the podcast. So if you have questions for us as we move into the off season, we're going to keep this thing going, obviously, and, and we'll need, we're not going to have games to talk about. So we're going to need some questions. Thanks, God. <laughs> yes, really, that's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> so we can stick to speculating about what it might be like when yes, they do. Games. Yes, we can pretend <laughs> like we have winning games to talk about. But if you have questions, email them to me at Chad Dotson at RedLegNation.com. Chad Dotson at RedLegNation.com. And uh, just say it's a question for the podcast. And as we've done a couple of times, you can also, if you want to record your question in MP3 format, just attach that to the email and send it along. And we may use that uh, on, on the podcast. So I wanted to wanted to say that at the beginning, and I'll probably say it at the, at the end because uh, we're probably going to want to cut this short instead of talking about these old Reds. But four straight 90-loss seasons, potentially three straight seasons with the exact same 68-94 record. Jason, positive momentum. How is that positive momentum, Jason? Because it's positive and it's momentum. It's momentum is when you're moving in a direction, and positive is when that's good. Boy, you're this good. is Dave Patty. Good. Oh wait, <laughs> you're good with words. You should probably e- either write a book or teach English. I do both of those things. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Eesh. It's just um, everything is terrible. Everything is. Don't you feel like you're that little uh, GIF sitting in a uh, in a room that's on fire? Just this is fine. You have no idea. (laughs) No idea. Yeah. What's amazing to me is we've done a podcast, I guess, every week uh, at Red Lake Nation Radio this season. And um, we're still finding things to talk about and and still interested in talking about the Red. That's something, right? It's a thing, for sure. It exists. (laughs) I enjoy our bi-weekly chats, Chadwick. Oh, me too. Me too. And uh, we do have some things to talk about. So bask in it. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, 
I, w- I want to talk about, there's a few things that are interesting to talk about. The season's winding up, and Luis Castillo, that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Jason, because I know you have some thoughts about our old friend Luis Castillo. And you can go back and listen to previous podcasts. You and I, before the season, extremely high on Luis Castillo. And I think probably if you ask the average Reds fan, they'd probably say, oh, big-time disappointment this year. And I, I've i got to say, well, the news of the week was that the Reds shut down Luis Castillo. He's not going to make his last start. He's up to about 170 innings, uh, which was their you know soft limit. He's not hurt. He's not uh, you know, he's performing well still. But they just want to go ahead and shut him down and let him end the season on a high note, I think. And, and here's what I say about Luis Castillo. Even though the average fan probably says, disappointing year, I'm just as excited about the 25-year-old Luis Castillo as I was before the season. Now, am I crazy to think that, Jason? No, especially because, I mean, if we're being completely real here, it was a disappointing April. Um, if we take just his numbers since May – like we just cut out the first month of the season, he has a 3.57 ERA. He's striking out nine batters per nine innings and walking 2.3, both of which are excellent numbers. Nobody's complaining about that. Um, so yeah, no, he had he came out with his mechanics all funky, and you know some people might even remember if you think back, there was a thing about like at one point they were really like kind of stuck in terms of the pitchers they had available, and they kind of wanted to shut him down for a start to fix his mechanics. Because they had like identified the problem and they wanted him to take a start off to fix to work on it and fix it, mm-hmm. um, but they couldn't do it. But they, I gather he worked on it and fixed it anyway. And basically, since then, he's been fine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No he's, question. You know, he's had blowups here and there, as as most all pitchers we will who aren't named Jacob Degrom. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's had a couple of bad starts here and there, but but by and large, since the calendar turned to May, he's had an excellent season. No question, no question about it. It's just. Uh... It, it, it's a situation where he started the year. We had such high expectations for Luis Castillo. Um, and he started the year just brutally. There's no other way to put it, you know, yeah. in, in, uh, in through, through the end of April, ZRA was 7.85. You know, that's, that's not good, Jason London. That's really not good. It's really bad. <laughs> but the second half of the but, year, 2.44 ERA. Yeah. Well, and, and I, even as it is, as like as bad as that April was, he still ended up finishing with stats that are, you know, essentially league average. And a, um, yeah, a 25-year-old still learning that's a roughly league average pitcher at his worst. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, and and the peripherals on that say that he probably should have had he probably should have an ERA that's a little better than it is. And his numbers best red starter this year. Not that that's really a high bar to cross. <laughs> you know, honestly, if you take Luis Castillo out of the rotation and insert me, there's a non-zero chance I'm the best red starter this season. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. That's not true. There's actually a 0% chance. I, but, you know, but you, I'm a teacher, so I'm allowed uh, to use it verbally. Exactly. But I don't, I don't have a problem with the Reds um, shutting him down, not letting uh, Castillo make his last start, because you look at what he did in September, 3-1, and 1.09 ERA, uh, 34 strikeouts to eight walks um, in five starts. I mean, just uh, dominant, frankly. And and I don't mind him finishing the season on an up note. And there's a lot of, a lot of positive I mean, thoughts going into the offseason with him. really well rested for the playoffs now. <laughs> Have him ready for game one of the division series against the Giants. In 2022. Yeah. All right, Jason. You had to bring it back to the fact that the Reds <laughs> aren't going to make the playoffs. They're not going to. They need to let Castillo pitch, though, so they can finish, you know, 
69 and 93 or whatever. Uh, Positive momentum. <laughs> get one game better than uh, the last two years. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've i got a thing coming out. I, I think it will be up by the time people are listening to this podcast, probably. And this is uh, the story of the offseason right here. Listen closely. Yeah, for, for Cincinnati Magazine, wherein I basically make the argument that um, you'll know the Reds are really trying. The only person who pitches who pitched for them this year who's in their starting rotation next year is Luis Castillo. That's a little extreme to me, Jason. It's a little extreme. What I actually really kind of think is, I think Castillo should be a lock, and I think you can have a number of guys that you basically put in competition for a number four or five type spot. But I think I think the Reds bare minimum have to get two frontline pitchers and they really need to get two frontline pitchers and then sort of a, a, a middle of the road starting pitcher for their rotation next year. Okay. I think they can add three pitchers at least. I can see that. I think you've got Castillo and then I think you've got probably seven guys that that can be a four or five. Yep. And it's time to cut bait on about five of them. Y- yeah. Cut bait or they're just, they're just roster filler and, and backup yeah. plan. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was one of those things where I I think I did as much as anybody else at various times. Guys would be pitching well or whatever, and I would talk myself into them and be like, hey, all right. But, you know, we're at the end of the season now, and the only pitcher, the only starting pitcher on the roster who even approaches average is Luis Castillo. with With the exception of Cody Reed, who's had only really a tiny handful of starts. Right. Um, I mean... And, and out of that group of, uh, I say, seven guys or something for four and five, there's a couple of those guys that if things break right, I think you count on them in the four or five spots, but if yeah. things break right, there's two guys that I see could be better than that. Of course, that's uh, Anthony DiSclefani, who yep. uh, you can't count on, but no. ha- has potential to yeah. be better than that. And, of course, Tyler Malley, who was just 23 yeah. this year. That's that's what I say, too. Like, you know, if, if the Reds opened um, next year with a rotation that went, say, Corbin, Keuchel, Castillo, Kershaw. Disco, I would not complain. Hold on, hold on. Keuchel, Corbin, Kershaw, Castillo. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's alliteration. I love it. You brought K- Kershaw in there, but I'm, I'm on board. I mean, let's, let's make it happen. Okay. You say if they bring in four guys, and, and really, that's I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. But I, if it's me... I go into the season saying my best-case scenario – or no, not best-case scenario. I go into the season saying Castillo, DiSclefani, Molly are my three guys that I'm sliding into three, four, five right now. Yeah. We have to go get a one and two. Yes. Yeah, you have to get a one and two. That's really – I mean, that's the real point, and that's, you know, that's – really what my yeah my central argument is it's you have to get go get a one two not a three four right not two number threes no a one two you have to get a one two right and castillo you know could be a two if things break yeah. right and molly break, could be a three a one a two a two like you know like if, if things break right cool but assume they won't i'm tired of assuming that that this guy might figure it out or that things might break right for that guy no i don't want to have to assume i want to Go into spring training feeling good about the team, not feeling hopeful about the team. I think it's a great way to frame it, Jason. Uh, let's let's go into it saying that Castillo's our three. Coming into this yeah. year, we were like, oh, man, he shows signs. He could be an ace. And he still shows those signs. He could yeah. be an ace. But let's go into the season saying he's our number three guy. 
And Anthony DiScalfani, he's our number four guy. And Tyler Malley, he's our number five guy. Or, you know, some mixture of those. All three of those guys have the potential to outperform that. And you and I are as optimistic as anyone. And we will be optimistic in the spring about those guys probably. Yeah, I mean, you do something like that, and that's how you end up with, say, the 2012 Reds. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, everybody outperformed what they were expected to do, but they were already so stacked that that just made them fantastic instead of merely excellent. So you go out and get a one and a two, and and then you've got these other guys, um, and, and, and then you've got Cody Reed and Michael Lorenzen. And uh, I'll mention his name, Robert Stevenson. I probably shouldn't, but uh, Lucas Sims. You know, certain guys who. Can... I don't. I, I'll say. I'll say this. I don't think. I don't think Lucas or not Lucas. Sorry, not Lucas. Lorenzo. Sims. I do think Lucas Sims should be in the mix. I don't. I think people need to let go of the Michael Lorenzen fantasy. I know. I know. We. we I, I know. I disagree with you, but um, I think Michael Lorenzen is uh, the next Shohei Otani. I think he's the next superstar in baseball. I think he's probably going to be MVP next year. Oh, now you're using you're using both hyperbole and verbal irony, Chad. Ooh, you do teach English. I do teach English. Yes, <laughs> very impressive. Yeah, um, but no, I, I bring him up only in the mix of this group of guys that should be in consideration for your number six starter. Yeah, I would say that. I, I like Lorenzen as kind of a long man out of the bullpen who can spot start when yeah. need be, mm-hmm. um, and play center I field think, if you need I think him to. That's his best role. You know, I think it's. Uh, I do think it is important for people to acknowledge that in a career wherein he's been mostly a relief pitcher and relief pitching is easier than starting pitching, he has been overall below average. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's fine. I, and he, he's, he, you know, this is always comes with the qualification. I'm sure he's a very nice boy and he helps old ladies across the street and all of that stuff. And this is not an attack on his character, but it's just it's just a, a frank assessment of his performance. I feel almost certain that he's helping old ladies across the street. That guy, but uh, I mean, before we move on, because I, th- I we don't have really, I mean, we may disagree on the edges on this issue, but not really that much. But I want to ask you about one guy here that we probably shouldn't waste much time talking about him. But I was thinking about him the other day, and you and I are as loud as anyone. And when Bill lacks on this podcast, he is the exact same way we have been for years about, oh, don't give up on young pitchers, you know. And, and we've been patient with Cody Reed um, because, you know, young pitchers struggle. And has there been anyone in the major leagues whose stock has dropped as a 25-year-old more than Brandon Finnegan? Oh, God, no. What a – you know, the 7.4 ERA, just a disaster for Cincinnati, but then goes to – to Triple A Louisville, and uh, just is complete garbage in the year I over seven there, uh, mostly in relief. Yeah, well, he's a relief pitcher now, is my understanding. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a, he's he's definitely Brandon Finnegan potential starting pitcher. No, he is a relief pitcher. He was a guy that I thought coming into the year, he was twenty four in the year start. I thought, and he'd had some success in the major leagues. Oh, this is a guy that he's probably a five starter or back back of the rotation, but has a chance to be a starter. He'd had success in that role, and if not. It's a shutdown reliever. Yeah. And turns out he can't get anyone out. Yeah. That's... 7.05 ERA in uh, in AAA this year. Uh, a whip walks uh, and hits pl- uh, uh, per innings pitch. 1.921, almost two walks and hits per inning. Yeah. 
And let me tell you, I saw a lot of those, and it was not pretty. He was hurt most of last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Well, what's that about? I, I, Is he still hurt? He has to be. I No, I don't think he's hurt. Yeah, that's a guy that I don't know. Um, he's falling completely off the face of the earth, and yeah. I hate it. I will say, I think I think Finnegan and Stevenson are the two people, two pitchers in the organization, who have basically eliminated themselves from the conversation. Come on, you don't like Stevenson's nine point two six ERA for the Reds this year? I do not, and I really don't like his seven thousand walks per nine innings. Come on, that's his game, man. He can be successful while walking people. He told us so. Well, you know, I'm just a writer, so what do I know? But. Uh, <clears throat> All right, who, who's better of these three? Robert Stevenson, in terms of who you would depend on next year. Now, I'm going to give you four names. Robert Stevenson, Lucas Sims, Giovanni Gallardo, or Luis Alberto Bonilla. I mean, it's real close between Sims and 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 your good buddy and Mr. Bonilla there. <laughs> yeah, bad year for the rest of them, um, except for Lisa Berta, who like yeah. Michael Lorenzen, they'll probably be co MVPs next year. So probably, yeah, probably. Well, about the pitching, and we've talked about the Reds need to go out and get pitching, 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 and I can't wait to see your piece at Cincinnati Magazine. But uh, Dick Williams, Cincinnati's president of baseball operations, did a little interview this week and. Uh, said that uh, pitching was the number one priority in the offseason. Now, let me just let me uh, read his quotes, and I want to see what you think about those. Oh, I will, I will share my thoughts. <laughs> the first quote I want to get your comment on is this one. The last couple of years, our free agent signings were kind of limited to this year. Jared Hughes and David Hernandez the year before, Scott Feldman and Drew Storen, the immortal Scott Feldman and Drew Storen. Um, then William said, we have the ability to spend more than that. Not incrementally. It should be significantly more than that. But then he qualified it by saying it still only goes so far, unfortunately. So, uh, yes, significantly. All right. And then it only goes so far. So what do you make about that quote? Um, They're going to spend on pitching. They're going to. That's good. That says to me we are going to come to spring training with a maybe a number two or number three level pitcher and also we're going to re-sign Matt Harvey. Yes. And that was the next quote I was going to read. We definitely will stack Matt up against the available options. The fact that he's been here, we've seen how he interacts with our coaches and our players will certainly work in his favor. Everybody's been favorably impressed. A lot of possibilities. Hard to say where Matt fits in from that perspective. That's what I think. They're going to go after one big splash guy and then they're going to sign Matt Harvey, who's a number five starter. Yep, that's what they're going to do. And they're going to pretend like I, he's a two-starter. I, I'm over it. Yep. Like, no. Like, I mean, if you want to sign Matt Harvey to be your number four or five starter, all right, fine. Yeah, I'll buy that. But, mm, nah. Mm, mm, I only, no, no. If, uh, no. I see, I can't even talk now. Unless it's like, unless it's Corbin or Keuchel, I, it's the splash guy they sign. I've got, I've got nothing for him. Yeah, I agree. They've got to make that huge splash, and and, and they're and Dick Williams hints it. You know, we're going better than Scott Feldman. Okay, good. That's what we're asking for. 
I, yeah. I think it's uh I think they're gonna overpay for Matt Harvey. I think they're gonna try to make the case, and I think a lot of Reds fans are gonna be willing to believe it. Maybe not listeners to Red Leg Nation Radio, but a lot of Reds fans are gonna be willing to believe that Matt Harvey is gonna be a number two guy or even an ace. I think they're gonna try to make that case. And then they he's go out not, He's not. Nope. His at best he's a, at best he's a number three. At the I mean, that's the most optimistic I can get. Yeah. I mean, he was below average this year, yes, uh, but not 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 far below average. Not not far below average, and not far below average with the Reds. And you can splice the numbers, you know, and to look at how he, you know, if you kind of take out his first few starts with the Reds, where he was getting back on his feet and they were doing some things mechanically with him, et cetera, et cetera. You can you can make a case. You can talk yourself into it, but I'm over talking myself into things. Yeah, yeah, and this is what I was getting to earlier. When we were talking about let's. Plug in Castillo at three, and Scalfani at four, and Molly at five. Let's not plug them in where we hope they can be. Yeah. Because hope is not a strategy, as they say. And if, if you're signing Matt Harvey, hoping he's going to return to the Matt Harvey he used to be, or hoping he can be a number two starter, you're going to be completely, completely disappointed. And if you're not disappointed, hey, that's great. But you got to be realistic about it. And if they realistically think realistically think that Matt Harvey's a number two starter, get out of town with that nonsense. They ought to all be fired. Yeah, but I mean, you know. Um, but if they get I, a, if they get a cockle or a Corbin and Harvey, I'm probably still going to be pretty excited. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you got a you know you got a top guy, and then you got some got three, four, five guys. Uh, They'll be better. Yeah, it's but it's got. I mean, it's got to be somebody real, Chad. No, yeah, no. If if Harvey is one of the, if they sign two starters and Harvey's one of them, the other guy better be the best available starting pitcher on the market. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's the only way to justify it in my mind. Yeah. All right. Yes, I completely agree. And the only other way I can see justifying it is if they also have a deal wherein they halfway empty out the farm system to get a hold of somebody. Well, that's actually the way I would go. If I'm if my optimal strategy, if I'm in the front office, is we try to break the bank to sign one good free agent starter, and then we try to package some of our minor league assets to get another guy that's maybe younger, cost controlled. I don't know, somebody that with some upside, not a prospect, not a guy in Double A. Yeah. Um. But but a guy that can be in the major league rotation next year with huge upside that you got team control. I would I would start trading the Taylor Trammells. I would start you know. Not that I want to trade him, but I'm just saying it's time to start dealing some of these minor league assets. And that's that's my optimal. That's my hope. Hope's not a strategy. But that's my optimal strategy in the offseason. They've got to start moving some of these guys, don't they? You no, know, this is what I'll say, though. I mean, I actually like I, I'm just I, another way that I'm already past it is just. It's a family podcast, so I'm struggling for words. Um <laughs> I'm just I'm over caring about how the Reds spend money because it's not my money, right? Like everybody always is like, well, it's easy to spend somebody else's money. Yes, it is. And you know what? It's not my money. So I really don't care how much of it Bob Castellini spends. I just want to see a good baseball team. Yeah. You know, in my my Cincinnati Magazine piece this week, um, I sort of compared the Reds rebuild to some teams that are in the to the strategy of some teams that are actually going to make the playoffs. And uh, one of the points I had, there's a really good piece. 
uh, I, I link to what you wrote earlier this year about it being the, not being Castellini's team, being a sort of holding it in trust for the for Cincinnati, but also a, a piece at Beyond the Box Score that says there's no such thing as a small market team. You know, if the owner wants to spend money, the owner will spend money. Yes. And to me, does Bob Castellini want to commit to delivering on his promise to bring championship baseball back to Cincinnati? He promised us all that in 2006, and I'm completely impatient. So, yeah, I, you know, I agree. It's easy to spend other people's money, but. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. What's well, not easy? Watching a terrible baseball team. Year after year after year. 17 of the last 22 years. Yeah. Losing records. Yep. <laughs> you know. Oh. Why are we still talking about this team? I don't know. Mm. Okay, I, anyway. I, yeah. But, but the, the fact of the matter is, you and I are uh, as optimistic as anyone, and at, we're as, we watch follow this team as closely as anyone, and we care about this team as much as anyone. And I don't think it's overstating overstating things to say that if the Reds don't go all in, make a huge splash this offseason, kind of like the Brewers did last year when they decided they wanted to try to win. If the Reds don't make that big splash, I'm going to find it very difficult to waste a second of my time caring about Bob Castellini's Cincinnati Reds yep. in 2019. Yep. I mean... Why should we care about them? If, if, they, if they don't go all in this winter, why should we even care and, about them? And, I mean, also, let's be real. The Central is good. Yeah. This is a good division. You can't, I mean, you can't, like, it's not like we're waiting for one team to become a Cleveland and then everybody else is the rest of the AL Central. Like, the NL Central is a very strong division. There's a chance that, or, or, or is it clinched now? I haven't looked at the standings for a little bit, that all of the teams except the Reds could finish with a winning record. It's clinched that the Reds are going to be in fifth place again. Yeah, well, that's been clinched for a while. <laughs> um, let's see, I'm looking real quick. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's, if, it's up to the Pirates. The Pirates need to win two more games to finish with a winning record. Um, but, yeah, so there's a really good chance that every team except the Reds in the division will finish with a winning record. If you're going to have to come to play next year if you want to have any chance of competing in this division. Yeah, I'm not saying that I demand the Reds make the playoffs next year because they could really go all in and still not make the playoffs because it's a tough division. But it's time to play ball. Yeah. What are you going to do, wait until the division weakens up to go all in? I mean, they've got... Yeah, no, it's time. It is time right now. Yeah. Uh, well, we said this last winter. And they absolutely just screwed around. Had no interest in winning this year. It's obvious no. in retrospect. Not putting up with it with another year, and no Reds fan should put up with it. No Reds fan should buy a single ticket next year. No Reds fan should, and we will, I'll be watching, but we shouldn't watch a single broadcast. Yeah. Because if they're they're taking us for granted at that point, you know. Come out and drink beer at the new bar at the ballpark or come out and get a new bobblehead. No, I want to watch some wins. Yeah. I'm, t I'm, I'm, I'm I, done. Listen, were it not for Joey Votto and A. Eugenio Suarez, I may be trying to find a different team. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, well, the, the truth of the matter is, next year, if they don't go all in this winter to improve this team, 
I'll be watching someone else. I'm, I'm not going to stop watching baseball, but I'm not going to watch the Reds every night. Yeah. Yeah. There are other, there are other, other, other fandoms that I could, uh, I could see myself becoming a part of if, if I needed to. Are you, t- are you talking about Harry Potter? <laughs> That's what you're talking about, right? I, I'm not. I'm not. Though, though, listeners, uh, Chad is is referencing the fact that I was telling him that my daughter has been deep into Harry Potter lately. That's the late hour of our podcast because she keeps staying up reading. Yeah. So, yeah, I got to teach my daughter to read someday. <laughs> She's 16 now. Yeah. God, you have a 16 year old daughter. You're old. I know. She just turned 16. It's really scary. Um, and yes, I am very, very old. I'm so old that I remember the last time the Reds won a playoff series. I remember the last time they won the World Series. Oh, well, then you're old, too, because you have to be old to remember those. There are like two generations of Reds fans that don't remember that. Hey, you want me to tell a 1990 Reds story? <laughs> well, sure. That's the last time the Reds this, were any good. This is random. I don't think I've, I've, I don't think I've ever told this story anywhere on the Internet. So, okay, so this is a story where it's, I'm going to be kind of hard on my mom, but, I'm, but she redeems herself. Okay. Okay. So. Everybody just stick through. So I was 10 when the Reds last won the World Series. Um, and I was exactly as excited as a 10-year-old boy. You would expect a 10-year-old boy to be when his favorite team wins the World Series. And so, I don't know, it's it's a few weeks after, and I'm just still going on about it, right? Like you do. Like, oh, I just can't believe, you know, can't believe it. It's so great. And so my mom, who I guess... My mom was a computer programmer, and I guess she knew some people who were also who were. I think IBM had an, was in Cincinnati at the time, or partially in Cincinnati, and and she knew some of those people. And she was like, "Oh, you know, um, I could have gotten you tickets to the World Series, but I didn't think you'd want to sit with a bunch of computer dorks." Oh, mom. And and I was like, "Oh, mom." And all these years later, you're still like, oh, no. Well, but here's the thing. Here's where mom, here is where mom redeems herself, right? Years pass, right? Years and years. And you may recall that recently the Reds had a run of being pretty good. In fact, being good enough that we actually, some of us went in together and kind of like split playoff tickets, right? Reds were in the playoffs? Huh? The Reds yeah. were? The Reds were in the playoffs. And um, I was just making conversation about it with mom. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm really going to have to, like, I'm going to have to pull something, you know, it, it's going to be expensive, but I'm totally going in on it. And she just looks at me and she's like, oh, no, I've been waiting years for this. I got this. So I didn't get to use them, and I got we got the money back, but mom bought me World Series tickets. She wasn't going to let this opportunity slide by. No, she wasn't. Well, so, good job, mom. Yeah, so good job, mom. So there's there's a fun, heartwarming story about family and baseball and things that, you know, might take your mind off the fact that the Reds are the way they are. Yeah, the way I hear that story is the Reds haven't been in a World Series since you were nine. So she's not had an opportunity to uh, redeem herself since you were 10 or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. So yeah, way to go, Reds. Way to go, Castellini. Bringing that championship baseball back to Cincinnati like you promised us in 2006. Yep. He's never yep. going to offer me a job at this point, but I guess no, he's not lean into it. He's not either. No, I don't think I'm getting any job offers either. Yeah, well. Oh, well. It is what it is. Yeah. Bob Castellini running this organization into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it, right? Like, 
<laughs> it, it just seems like it's become, you know, enough stuff has leaked out of, you know, like you sort of read between the lines or whatever of various reports. And it, it just is clear, like every move that has left you scratching your head for the last several years is a Bob Castellini sticking his nose where it doesn't belong move. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not 100% his fault, but I, he gets the blame. The buck stops right there at his desk. Yeah. Um, and my resume's on your desk, uh, Bob, if you'll just uh, give me a call. I'll come help you out. So the, we've been talking about what the Reds need to do this offseason, which is pitching, 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 and more pitching. But yep. uh, much of the news media, to the extent that they do any kind of reporting, is talking about uh, the Reds' search for a permanent manager in 2019 and beyond. And uh, again, Dick Williams, friend of the podcast, Dick Williams, interviewed this week uh, and, and had some interesting th- uh, thoughts about the managerial search and the fact they've already interviewed some candidates. So uh, they've interviewed all of their internal candidates. And to me, I guess, okay, interview your internal candidates. They better not hire an internal candidate. That's what that's what I'm going to say when I get to the end of this. But the ones they've interviewed are um, bench coach Pat Kelly, third base coach and 1990 wire-to-wire Reds World Series hero Billy Hatcher, First base coach and the greatest name in the organization, Freddie Benavides, um, have all interviewed. John Farrell, former Red Sox manager who's been a, a Red Scout and advisor, he's going to be interviewed as well. And current interim manager, Jim I Love Bunts Riggleman, going to interview as well. So those are the five internal candidates. And uh, Williams didn't say how any of the interviews went, but he also says that. Uh, Two other things that I want to get your comments on all these, but two other things. We're getting ready to do interviews at some point and hope by the end of October to have a a manager, but we're going to do some interviews with candidates outside the organization, and Barry Larkin is not going to be one of those uh, that gets an interview. Yeah. Um, The Larkin thing I find extremely surprising. Um, It's interesting. I almost kind of thought that was going to be sort of a coronation, to be honest. Um, but I mean, it seems like Castellini's. Yeah, he, he's big on let's promote all the the history because we don't have anything else to promote. Yeah, that would have been a big one. He's he's a Hall of Famer, that Barry Larkin. I mean, uh, this is this is what I honestly feel like. I even if the Reds go end up going with an internal candidate, they're not going to hire Larkin apparently. And if they don't hire Riggleman, then I feel like probably. The, the the people who are supposed to run the baseball team are being allowed to run the baseball team with that decision. I think mean, I think the two mm-hmm. the two possible decisions that would have ownership fingerprints all over them would be Riggleman or Larkin. You don't think John Farrell might have some ownership? Maybe a little, but I mean, and that might not be a bad choice. Yeah, that, that's one I can like. I can live with that. Just just in a, like if John Farrell hadn't been hired by the Reds to be a scout this year, and then they interviewed him. Right, you know, now and hired him. I don't think anybody would gripe. Yeah, the the quote from Williams on Larkin was: uh, Larkin and I have had great conversations about his future with the organization. He's really happy with his current situation. Thinks he can help in a number of ways. He has helped in a lot of ways. He still has managing as a long term goal. I'm supportive of that. And of course, if you remember, Larkin said he only wants to manage the Reds. The organization yeah. is supportive of that. He says, which means sounds to me like Bob Castellini is supportive of that. I think he'll continue to work on his skill set to prepare for managing. Someday he can do whatever he wants in this game if he puts his mind to it. 
Now, the way that I can read that is, to me, I, maybe I, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, is Larkin said, you guys suck. I don't want to manage you right now. <laughs> Let me keep doing what I'm doing, and then when you're ready to compete, I'll be there. Uh, and I'm probably reading too much into that, but that's sort of what that sounded like to me. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the the only thing I worry about is who wants this job if they feel like they're just keeping the seat warm for Barry Larkin. It's got to be a concern because he did have the comments earlier this year that were critical of Brian Price, and he's, I mean, he's sort of it's, looming it, over everything. And frankly, I mean, if we're talking about like legit candidates, you know, like the kinds of people that we would really want to see hired. With the team in the state that it's in right now and with Larkin where he is, I don't know that I would be interested unless I were offered a, a contract of some substantial length, mm-hmm. like maybe a three- or four-year contract. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Although they would probably offer Larkin that, I would think. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, oh for sure. But I would want some security, right? Like, I mean – Oh, if you're another if, guy coming in with Larkin sort of looming over you, you'd want some security. Right, yeah. Yes, like yes I, I agree. Three I agree. or four years to either prove myself or if you decide you're going to – you kick me to the curb, then I at least you know at least yeah, want to have the salary. I don't want Larkin to be the Reds manager, and it has nothing to do with uh, how I think he'll perform as a manager because I truthfully really don't know. I mean, he used to say some crazy things on ESPN or whatever, but yeah, um, you don't really know. It's been a, it's been a while since that happened, and the game has changed a lot, and he may be absolutely open to all the analytics, and I don't know. I don't know how Larkin will be as a candidate. I'm not in the room on these interviews, so I won't know. The reason I don't want Barry Larkin to be the manager is Barry Larkin is my favorite Cincinnati Red of all time. And you don't want it ruined. I yeah. don't want it. Yes. You know, it, his legend will be tarnished because no manager, it, it doesn't end well for any of them. Sparky Anderson got fired. It, it it won't end well. And I hate to see that affect Larkin yeah. because I do. I just have so many great memories of him as a player. It's not unreasonable to think that, is it? Jason Linden? No, it's not unreasonable, and I'm kind of with you. I, you know, I like I like Larkin as sort of the 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 paterfamilias of the Reds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just be the like father of the team, effectively. Yeah. Like, continue your role of like whipping those youngins into shape. And Absolutely, been doing, and I'm I'm down with that. Um, although it is an interesting point that you bring up that it, it kind of reminds me when. Uh, Wayne Krivsky was the GM of the Reds and did some good things, uh, did some questionable things, but I thought overall had done a decent job with uh, Cincinnati as the general manager. When Castellini uh, took over, he brought in Walt Jockety as a you know senior advisor to the GM or what or to the owner or whatever. And, and everybody, when Walt Jockety was hired, was like, "Oh my goodness, that guy's going to be GM at some point." You know, they're they're bringing him in and they're gonna he's gonna the axe is gonna fall, and it did. Krivsky was fired far too. Uh, early and uh, Jockety, who also did some good things as GM, I, no question. But um, I wonder if a, a new manager is going to think just like you said. Uh oh, Larkin's there. He's yeah. he's the heir. Yeah. So well, let's talk about these internal candidates. All right. Because we don't know who the external candidates are, and so my here are my thoughts about that. First of all, the Reds have. I want to know what your thought is to this uh, statement. The Reds absolutely have to hire an external candidate. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think. I mean, I really. I think they do. I. I'm. I'm. Yeah, because of the optics of it, frankly. 
This organization, they announced a bunch of promotions. Everybody in this organization just gets promoted. Yeah. You know, the, the team has lost 90 games Listen, four plus years, and everybody's getting promoted. The Reds are so good at hiring people and promoting them up through the system based entirely on merit, they would be a lot better than they are right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks an awful lot like people are failing upward. Yeah. Um, now, like we said, if if John Farrell, who of course won a World Series with the with the Red Sox, if he's the guy, he's he's technically an internal candidate, and I guess I I would squint and be okay. I'm all right with that. But he's the only one that I think you can justify. Otherwise, you've got to go outside and and get someone else. Well, I you know I do think that there you know there's probably some instances where there are guys who have been around as part of the organization for a long time and probably get hot, get interviewed as something of a courtesy. Oh yeah. Like, I think, I think it's they're, Hatcher. They're not real candidates, but you want to show them that they're appreciated and they want a chance to at least, you know, be in the room. So you do that. And I think that's, that to me at least sounds like what a lot of the interviewing up until now has been. Sure. Billy Hatcher, give him an interview. I got no problem with that. Pat Kelly, you know, he's been on the minor league level. Jim Riggleman, you got to interview the guy. Yeah. You don't hire any of those guys. No. I mean, you just don't. I mean, Farrell, you consider because he's had some success in another organization. But otherwise, I think you got to go. I've been saying this for months. Find the best available manager that's out there. Yeah. I mean, really, I'm going to be honest. The the, the route I would really like to see the Reds go is the route that, that various teams are going, and, and the one that kind of leaps immediately to mind is the is Aaron Boone being hired to manage the Yankees, is the basically the former player ambassador. So, I had upper, a different player, a, a different manager that I was going to say, but it's the exact same point. Go ahead and finish your point. Upper management makes all of the like sort of strategic decisions. You know, it's you know this is what your lineup will be every day. This is what's going to happen this is how you're going to use these players or these pitchers or whatever. And it's your job to sell it. Um, And I think, I think that's fine. And I also think it is a situation wherein if there are some players, for instance, who are reluctant to buy in on some of the, the newer analytics or analysis or whatever, then it allows that manager to be like, I totally understand where you're coming from, but you know, I have to do what I have to do. Yeah. It's always better to have somebody higher up the chain be the bad guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, if it's somebody, you know, if it's if it's if it's the GM or the president of baseball operations or whatever the hell they call Dick Williams now, um, like who is the bad guy? Fine, great, be the bad guy because you're not in the clubhouse every day. Yeah. And what we've seen is there's a big disconnect between the front office, those guys like Dick Williams and Nick Crawl and Sam Grossman, and and what's yeah. happening on the field. In terms of yeah. what the manager's doing. The guy I was going to mention was Gabe Kapler with the yeah. Phillies. Yeah. Who's an odd guy, um, but a former player who is absolutely open to, uh, you know, all these advanced uh, ad- analytics and just uh, out of the box thinker. You want those guys. Yeah. That's, yes, exactly. Something like that. Somebody who's going to have that respect. Like, no more old school. <laughs> right. Jim Riggleman. Yeah. Dick Williams, though, his uh, quote was, right now the target candidates either have managed at the big league level or have some big league coaching experience, which probably argues against uh, what we're just talking about. Um, I don't see us targeting a lot of completely out-of-the-box candidates. 
I think we're going to want people who have a level of comfort in the dugout, preferably at the big league level, in their background. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that, frankly. I, yeah, I don't know. That sounds like ownership talking through management. Yeah. Go get Scott Rowland if he's open to, uh, you know, doing what the front office tells him in terms of lineups. and. God, I would be so and, on board with that. Yeah, I mean, can, can you imagine a guy that could come into the clubhouse and uh, have some credibility? Local guy, too, so you could you know, sell yeah. that big time. Um, that's the type of guy I'm thinking of, a former, a former red who um, – I like the idea of a first-time manager because they're maybe more open to what the front office is going to tell them to do, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have their way that they do it. Yeah. And Riggleman, Riggleman has done some things that are clearly coming from the front office in terms of uh, third time through the lineup, being hesitant to let pitchers keep going. and But Riggleman's going to bunt no matter what. He's going to do his – he has his things that he's going to do no matter what. The Reds got to get away from that. That old school stuff. Yep, 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 yep. You are correct, sir. Entirely and utterly correct. What about Joe Girardi? He's a person who exists. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Thanks for your analysis there, uh, Jason. He is a person who exists. I don't really care who it is, except I think they need to go outside the organization and get a guy that's open-minded. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, just do something different. <laughs> yeah, what's been what they've been doing has not been working. Can I just be pleasantly surprised, just once? For once, like, like, let, let, can I, can I, can I, can I rant for a minute? Oh, I wish you would. It's about my favorite part of Red Leg Nation Radio. Can we enter? Can we just enter spring training with me looking at the rotation and going, "Hey, you know what? I would be surprised if this were a disaster." Not. It will. I can imagine it not being a disaster. No, I want to be surprised if it's a disaster. That's the first thing I want. Right. I want to come into spring training thinking, you know, that looks okay. I can live with that. Also, I'm just going to be realistic. I understand that Scooter Jeanette is going to be the starting second baseman of the Cincinnati Reds next year because Bob Castellini loves him, and that's that. So, okay, fine. Can Nick Senzel please start in center field? I'm on board with that. Can we? Can we do that? Because that boy, that lineup will mash. Yeah, not on opening day. Mash. Can we just just do that? Give me that. Give me a rotation. Give me Nick Senzel in the lineup on opening day. No. And I'll shut up. Well, you're not going to shut up because Nick Senzel will not be in Cincinnati on opening day. He'll be he'll be in Louisville getting uh, getting warmed up or you know final preparation for the big leagues for exactly eight days or whatever until two weeks of the major league service time have passed and then he'll get called out. Yeah. We're going to plan a special edition of the podcast. Just you and I, maybe, maybe just a short one, 20, 30 minutes, just screaming about how cynical it is that the Reds have their, one of their best players is not in Cincinnati. And let, let's be honest. Also, it's not just the Reds. This is an epidemic all over sure. base. The fact that, that the blue Jays never called up Vladimir Guerrero jr. Is a travesty. Mm-hmm. I mean, a travesty. I agree. And people be outraged. To the extent that you should ever be outraged about baseball. Right. I agree, but but to me, the Reds are a team that's in the position where they cannot afford from day one. They cannot afford not to have the best 25 guys on their roster because I'm done. I've lost all patience. It's time to put a winning team on the field, even for the first two weeks. Because you know what? We saw what happened this year when you punt on the first two weeks. 
season was over. What? Are, what? Yeah, the Wait, season. were the Reds not good at the beginning of the year this year? They were slightly not good. God, how much cool was that? <laughs> what I'm, all I'm asking is do what the Brewers did last year. Be aggressive this winter. Yeah. Go out and trade for a great player like Christian Yelich. Not that's the guy I wanted to trade for last year, but yeah, um, specifically go out and trade for a player that level. And then, you know, they go out and sign a guy to a five-year contract like they did with Lorenzo Cain. Go out and spend some money. Go out and trade some guys. Improve this roster substantially. I'm not talking about, you know, I heard Dick Williams say, we're going to spend a substantial amount more money. And to me, all I can hear in my head is they're going to sign Scooter Jeanette to a long-term contract. They're going to sign Matt Harvey to a contract, and then they're going to come back and tell us, look at all this money we spent this offseason. Chad. That's what went through my head, Jason. If that happens, and I don't have any problem with Harvey being on this team next year. I don't have any problem with Scooter being on this team next year, depending on what else happens around them. But if those are your two big uh, offseason layouts of money, I'm done. I'm absolutely done with this team. Yeah, same. Grief. Absolutely. We can become Wahoo Wah Nation or whatever. Ooh. Not Pensacola Blue Wahoo Nation because they're no longer the double A team of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the Reds are moving to Ch- back to Chattanooga. Did you see that, Jason? I did see that. Yeah, when the Reds were in Chattanooga before, I went down there and watched them one time, and uh, they had this one guy playing at catcher who I was like, man, that guy's a goofy looking guy, but, but he, you know, he had a couple hits or something, and he was slow. He couldn't run. I was like, he caught my eye. Guy named Ryan Hannigan. You remember that guy? Do remember Ryan Hannigan? Yeah, that guy had a good little Reds career. He had a good little career. Period. Yeah, absolutely. So he's uh, Chattanooga's back in the Cincinnati Reds organization. That's that's good. A little closer to me where I am, and uh, Pensacola. Who wants to go to Florida? No one who doesn't want to get eaten by an alligator. Absolutely, I don't want to get eaten or by an alligator. Giant snake. <laughs> There's snakes down there that eat alligators, Chad. Yeah. Jason, by the next time we record a podcast, the red season will be over. Will you be happy that the red season is over? Well, first, I'm relieved because I thought you were going to say, by the next time it's time to record a podcast, you will have been eaten by a giant snake. (laughs) Well, it's possible. Not the route that you went, for which I'm grateful. Um, Yeah, I'm done. All right. Red's MVP this year? Uh, Eugenio Suarez. Clearly. Um, Reds, uh, pitcher of the year this year. Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo? Yeah. Pitcher of the year? Not going to go with Jared Hughes? It, I mean, it would either be him or Jared Hughes, but starting is harder than relieving, so I'm always going to take the best starter. I agree. I agree. 170 innings versus, uh, Jared Hughes is 77. Um, what about, what other, uh, so we'll give Hughes relief pitcher of the year. How about yeah. that? Um, how about the Reds Gold Glover? Who's the best defensive player on the Reds this year? Wow. I mean, still got to be Billy, right? Not Tucker? No, Billy. Okay, we'll go with Billy Hamilton. Comic book superhero Billy Hamilton. Um, one Reds player, current Reds player, that the Reds should try to sign to a, a contract in the offseason of, uh, you know, an extended contract. I mean, who should they send? Uh, tell, let me tell you what I think. Well, go ahead. Only, 
real good candidate would maybe be Winker or Peraza. I mean, those are the only ones that, or I guess you could make a case for Castillo, but I don't know if I'm quite there yet. Yeah. I wouldn't sign any of those guys. There's not a single guy on this team I would look to lock up like the Reds did with Suarez. It was a trick question, yeah. Jason. I mean, that's the, that felt like a trick question. <laughs> it was a trick question. Um, rookie of the year for the Reds this year, Jesse Winker. Oh yeah, good season that guy. Yeah. Um, best season for a Red this year of anyone whose initials are SS. Scott Shebler. Yes. Yep. Absolutely, Scott Shebler. Um. Greatest player in the history of the Cincinnati Reds, 2018 edition. Who's the one player on this year's team that is probably the best player that ever played for the Reds? Uh, that would be one Mr. Joseph Daniel Votto. Oh, close. The answer we were looking for, Billy Hamilton. But we do have some nice parting gifts for you, Jason London. Joseph Daniel. Joseph Daniel. Everyone's upset with his season this year, and he was still fantastic. Yeah, let's just – here, let's let's – because I, I feel it winding down. Let's finish up with some some Votto facts, and then we'll finish this thing up. Let, let's. I just I want to look it up. I want to know. I want to know where it is at this exact moment. So everybody, bear with me. Just hold on for one second. I'm, so I'm, here I'm we are. With you. Joey Votto is currently leading the National League in on base percentage over one Brandon Nimmo. Remember when the Reds almost traded for Brandon Nimmo? Yeah, um, they got Dilson Herrera instead by 16 points with three days left in the season. That's as close to clinching as you possibly can get. Going to leave the league again. And so let's just, let's just say that, that beautiful to see. I, I feel, I feel happiness in my heart and I'm just going to say this list. We'll do it. We'll do it from the dawn of baseball forward. Rogers Hornsby, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Barry Bonds, Joey Votto. That is your complete list of players to ever lead the league and on base percentage seven times. A bunch of inner circle Hall of Famers and Joseph Daniel Votto. That's beautiful. The greatest hitter in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. I think we're getting to the point where you can't even argue that. Yeah. He doesn't have 4,256 hits, though, Jason. Chad. Oh, sorry. I don't need to go there. All right. Uh, you ready to put a bow on this one? Let's put a bow on it. All right. Um, oh, oh. by the way, before we go, basketball practice started this week. The University of Virginia Cavaliers are back, baby. Ranked number three in the country, according to some preseason polls. You ready for some college hoops? I, You know, I, I watch only baseball, but wahoo and I hope they make it at least until the second round before they are defeated in a humiliating manner. <laughs> Chad, did, did I kill you? <laughs> this is Red Lake Nation Radio, episode number 228. I'm Chad Dotson, <laughs> and his final episode ever of the, uh, the podcast, it's Jason Linden. At Jason Linden on Twitter, I'm at Dotson C., we're at Red Leg Nation on Twitter and at redlegnation.com every single day where we're talking about the Reds and have been since 2005, and they've lost a lot of games in those years. Chad, Chad, who, who's this guy who says you sent him, and why does he want me to put my feet in concrete? <laughs> yeah, you just have a little chat with that guy, if you would, please. Uh, you can subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, everywhere you get your podcasts. We're there. 
uh, please do subscribe and please uh, leave us a rating and review and tell all your friends about us. As we always say, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth what shut. What are these chains for? <laughs> What's that? What are these chains for? <laughs> Jason, just be patient. They're going to show you exactly what's uh, ahead of you. But I had a lot of fun talking to you this time, Jason. Yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> for Ch for Jason Linden and I guess for the corpse of Jason Linden and Chad Dotson, this is Chad Dotson saying Lisoberto Bonilla goodbye or something. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.